Go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 26. It's the last verse of that chapter. That's where we're going to start here in a minute. Picking up right where we left off last week. Ever since we started Heritage, I always hear people say, I like going to Heritage because it's different. Which I don't really get that because all we do is sing music and preach. But I think what they mean is that the relationships are different. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that today and, and uh, kind of what these relationships ought to look like. Now, I also heard one time somebody, hey, what's happening, man? I thought you were moving. Oh, don't record that. That'll, that won't make any sense to people that aren't here. Um, one time I heard somebody say, though, also that uh, I like coming to Harris because they don't really expect much of us. <laughs> that's, that's not the case. And I want to make sure that we understand that today. Actually, we expect more of you than other churches I've been a part of because we really want people that say, I go to Heritage, to be people that, that look and act differently than people that just say, I go to wherever church. And we want people that, that are living this life of love that Byron started to talk about last week of loving our neighbors as ourselves that fulfills the law. And so I want you to know there is a much expected of you. <laughs> and maybe we'll talk about some of that today. So don't think that we don't expect anything. No, we don't expect much of your calendar as far as lots of events. Maybe that's what they meant. Um, but much is expected. Last week, Byron was sharing with us about the, the living in the spirit versus the living in the flesh. Remember, there was a list of things that it looked like to live in the flesh, and there was a list of things we call them the fruits of the spirit that it looks like when you're living in the spirit, okay? And so... Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about this idea of loving our neighbor and specifically one or two things of how we, do, we go about doing that. Um, we know that if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. That was verse 25 as Byron was finishing up last week. And we also know that like in, in John 13, 35, it says, By this all people will know you're my disciples. By how? That's right. By your love for one another. So... What we're starting to realize is that um, the evidence that you live a spirit-filled life, the beginning evidence, maybe it doesn't happen like this really ghostly, secretly, mystical kind of thing in your private prayer time. Actually, the evidence of your spirit-filled life begins to show when you start having love for other people. Okay? It's a little bit harder because we think sometimes it would be easy. I'll be a Christian. Let me just get alone in my little prayer closet, and I'll spend time and become spiritual, and then I'm a spirit, spiritual person. But the very first fruit of the Spirit that we read last week was love. Okay? So um, we're finding uh, Galatians 5, verse 26. I'm going to read through chapter 6, verse 3, and then we'll go back and work our way through all this um, one at a time a little bit. Okay? So verse 26, let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. I'm really lucky and blessed. When I grew up, I have a really great family. A lot of you have met some of my family. My mom and dad are here pretty often because we have kids now. And my dad preached last fall sometime when he was here. My brother, you've met my brother, some of you. And uh, when I grew up, we had an awesome family. We had 
uh, lots of fun. I know not everyone comes from a family like that. Sometimes we have broken families, or sometimes we have families that just don't flat get along. Um, but, but my family was a great home. I'm very blessed. My mom and dad loved each other. They both loved us. And uh, that's how I was taught to be a, a husband and a father by the way my dad acted. Um, when my friends would come over, they enjoyed coming to my house. Number one, my mom's fridge was always packed. The pantry was always packed. It still to this day is like that. She's a lot like Lisa in that way. She doesn't want anybody to be hungry when people come over. If I go home right now, I guarantee you there's at least four frozen pizzas in the freezer just in case I want something in the middle of the night. I try to tell my mom I don't eat like that anymore, but, but uh, when people come over, I think some of my friends that didn't come from such loving families, they... Uh, they enjoyed coming to my home because they felt like it was a loving place. They felt safe at my home. I think my mom and dad did a really good job. My dad's a pastor, and so a lot of my friends that came to church, you know, he was their pastor, and he treated a lot of those teenagers like he treated my brother and I. He loved them very much. And so it was good to come to my house because it felt like a place of safety and love. And what we want um, at Heritage is for people to feel like this place is a place of safety and love. Don't want people to come. Have you ever been into a church where you just flat out did not feel loved? Okay? You got people that talk about each other behind their backs. Somebody does something they want to fight about it and all these things. And, um, you know, they don't like the music. Thankfully, y'all love the music here at Heritage. (laughs) You don't understand. I've been places before where every Monday morning there was going to be at least one email and one phone call about what I did the day before. And it's not always a good day to wake up on Monday morning expecting those. So, uh, but we want heritage to be a place of love. Um, this is a loving body. You see what we do with, with the treating the people in Alabama. I've seen what you've taken care of, my friend James, and, and how you've treated people that want to go on mission here. This is a loving family, the things that we've done in Wildwood and Lady Lake. And so today we're going to talk about even more specifically, how do we love each other in this room? Sometimes it's easier to love the people outside of the room than the people inside right? Sometimes it's easier to love the people outside your house in your family than the people inside your house because you're with them all the time, right? Poor Sydney right now. (laughs) Three straight weeks. Chapter 5, verse 26. Let us not become conceited provoking one another or envying one another. This is how not to treat each other. Not provoking each other, not envying one another. Um, This verse tells us that the way we treat other people is determined by our own opinion of ourself. Does that make sense? How you feel about yourself a lot of times will determine how you treat other people. Okay? So, provoking one another... If I feel really great about myself, superior to the person that I'm looking at, then I might provoke them or challenge them so that I can prove to them how great I am. If I feel little about myself and inferior to someone, I might envy that person and their, and their accolades and all the things they've accomplished, right? Are you with me? But either one of those two things begin and are wrapped up in conceit. And it says, do not become conceited provoking one another, envying one another. See, when you think a lot about yourself, and you're just thinking about yourself, whether you think really good about yourself or think bad about yourself, it's all about me. And so then you begin to provoke or envy one way or the other. Okay, are you with me? So the Galatians 5, 26 says, do not do that. Um, we know that this is very different than the love that is someone, that's in someone that's living a spirit-filled life. Okay, we know that in, what is it, Romans 
12.3, where it says, don't think, of your, don't think too high of yourself, right? But think more soberly. Is it up there? Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. A lot of times we think that everything that we got going on, everything in the world has to do with us. But Christians who are living, spirit-filled Christians living with that, that fruit of the Spirit love, they don't think of themselves so much, but instead they put other people first. Um, the, what happens when you begin to live a Holy Spirit-filled life, the Holy Spirit works in your life. He begins to show you your sin. If you've ever been face-to-face with your sin, that helps your thinking of yourself go down a little bit, right? When you start to think you're really, really great, all you got to do is have the Holy Spirit flash your old past sin in front of you, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, I'm not so great. And then also what the Holy Spirit does is he increases the value or importance of the people around you. Instead, before we Holy Spirit-filled people, we begin to maybe think that it's all about me and I'm pretty important and everyone else's issues or their, their, their issues. But when you live a spirit-filled life, the Holy Spirit tells you, you know what, these people have been created by God, saved by Jesus on the cross, and they're very valuable, very important. And so when you begin to think of someone as valuable or important, you treat it that way. You ever bought something that was really expensive and, and you told the kids, don't touch that, right? You know, don't touch that. That's valuable. I spent a lot of money on it, and you want to treat it good. Well, when you begin to see people as valuable, you're going to treat them better. You're going to take care of them. When they go through hard times, you're going to be there with them. You're not going to allow other people to treat them wrongly, okay? Uh, you know that uh, the, the Christian love, we think of Philippians 2, verse 3. That's a really popular, good verse. And, and this is one of those... Um, if you want to say expectations that we would have at Heritage, is that um, do nothing from rivalry or conceit. There's that word again, conceit. Quit thinking about yourself. But in humility, count others more significant than yourself. Um, So the number one thing, the way not to treat people, is to not get conceited. Quit provoking, quit envying, begin to see other people as important and treat them as such. As we move on to verse 1, now that we begin to, verse 1 and 2 are going to tell us some things, how we should treat our brothers in Christ. Verse 1, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. This is tough. Restoring a sinning brother or sister. This is tough because a lot of times when someone's doing something that we think, you know, they probably shouldn't be doing that, we're tempted to say, that's really none of my business, so I better not get involved, right? You know, who am I to say, you know, you shouldn't be doing that because I'm bad too. Okay, so we got to walk through this a little bit. Um, First of all, Jesus when he would meet with people that were sinful, we're going to try to follow his example. You remember the story of Zacchaeus? Right? Not a great guy, but Jesus wasn't really mean to him. Remember the woman at the well living with a husband or a man that wasn't even her husband at the time and it had five husbands before? Jesus was pretty gentle with her. Right? Patient with her. Um, Remember the woman where the guys drug her out into the city and said, Jesus, she was caught in the very act of adultery. We need to stone her right now. What did Jesus say? 
whichever one of you that doesn't have any sin in his life, you throw the first stone. Yeah, so, so first of all, let's get to this point where if we're going to talk about restoring someone who's sinning, I want you to understand we're going to do these things in a manner um, that's Christ-like, in a gentle way. But it is not something that we're supposed to shy away from. Um, this verse tells us what to do, who should do it, and, and how to go about it. Number one is what to do is that, um, throw verse 26, or verse 1 up there again, Steve, that uh, you who are spiritual should restore him. Um, the, the idea of restoring him is to, to put him back on the right path, or her, okay? Not to uh, go tell Sydney, hey, so-and-so is doing this, and you need to go get him, okay? <laughs> or not to go and uh, tell your other friends in the church, oh, you know what so-and-so is doing, or, and then when they pay for whatever they're doing because something bad happens to them and you go serve them, right? Those are not the ways we handle it. Our goal is to restore that brother or sister to make them right with, our, with the body again and make them right with, with God so they can continue moving in the right direction. We're all going to fall. And so we need to be thinking that the goal is to restore, to bring along, to, uh, to go back and save. It's almost this idea of someone that's gotten off the path, they've lost, they've gotten lost. We're going to find them and get them back on the right path. So that's what we do. Who should do it? Those of you who are spiritual should restore that brother. This does not mean the pastor. This does not mean those who are perfect. That does not mean those who get paid to be on staff at the church. Those who are spiritual are those who are living by the Holy Spirit. We, we saw last week in verse, chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, those fruits of the Spirit. So those people who are expressing living lives of love and joy and, and peace and patience. And I'm not going to try to say them all because I'll miss one. And then um, those who are living in that way. Now, this doesn't give you an out to go, well, I'm not spiritual, so I don't have to go restore that guy, even though I know he's doing wrong. Because the fact is, if we're Christians and believers, all of us have who living in us? Jesus. Holy Spirit. Spirit, making you spiritual. I guess that's what that means. Spiritual. So let us not shy away from, from this, this thought of, of bringing someone along. And it's, it can be uncomfortable, but wouldn't it be great if at Heritage, when we began seeing people sliding back a little bit or, or stepping off on the wrong path, that we wouldn't gossip or talk behind their back or just let them go, but we would go and grab that brother or sister and help gently restore them back on the right path. Wouldn't that be great? We would be a church that was different because we'd be a church without gossip. We'd be a church without people talking about each other behind their backs and and saying serves them right when things go bad for them because look what they were doing. Well, that's what they deserve, okay? And then how you go about it, and, that, and that's the word gently, in a spirit of gentleness. This is the same word that is in the list of the fruits of the Spirit, which is probably a good reason why only spiritual people should practice restoring someone because if it has to be done in gentleness, if you're a spiritual person living by the Spirit, then you have gentleness in you as one of the fruits of the Spirit. If you're not gentle, because you're not living by the Spirit, you probably don't need to go try to be in the ministry of restoring sinners, because you're not going to do it gently. You're going to say, what the heck are you thinking? <laughs> don't you know you don't do that? 
You know, that's not, that's not how Jesus handled some of those, those times when he would run into someone that was sinning. And he was Jesus. He could have said, don't you know I'm going to have to die for that? Wasn't that stupid? But Jesus didn't. He was very loving and gentle and patient with those people. Okay? So, how are we going to treat people? How we're not going to treat people is we're not going to be conceited. We're not going to envy. And we're not going to provoke. We're going to think of people higher than ourselves. We're going to restore our brothers and sisters when they're caught in sin. I'm not going to make a big to do that. Now, this verse doesn't go on to speak specifically about how to restore that person, but we know that in Matthew, right, chapter 18, when Jesus begins to talk, what's the first thing you do? You go to that person privately. You don't, like, say, you don't decide next Sunday morning that that is the time during worship that you're going to restore someone and stand up during Sid's sermon and say, excuse me, Sid, um, Mike, will you please stand up? I know that you are doing this, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> we need to restore him right now. You, that's not how you restore someone gently. You go to them privately and you say, look, man, I know you're struggling with this. I've been there before. I'm not trying to, to condemn you. I want to love you and I want to bring you back on this right path because th- that's what we want to do at Heritage. I don't, I, don't wanna, I don't want you to feel bad at all. I'm not judging you. I just see this and I'll, let's talk through it. Is this, am I seeing the right thing? Uh, you know, am I, am I, am I mistaken? And give them a chance to talk through it. That's a way better way of going about it, don't you think? Wouldn't you be much more willing to talk to someone when you had been caught in that sin? If they came and approached you like that? Okay. Verse 2. The next way of how we're going to treat each other is by bearing each other's burdens. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. There was a verse that Byron read last week that sounded a lot like that, didn't it? What verse was that? I don't remember. We've been talking about not being under the law and instead living under grace. This whole book of Galatians has been about that, right? No law, grace. You can't do enough to get there. But this, when he says that you fulfill the law of Christ, doesn't mean the Ten Commandment law. It means a different law. Um, First of all, the implication is bear one another's burdens. We're going to have burdens. Don't think that you're going to live this perfect, burden-free life. And also the implication is that we're not meant to bear those burdens alone. Sometimes people try to do that, and it's very bold and brave, they think. You know, I don't want to bother so-and-so with my burden. You know, I'm just going to deal with it myself. But that's not the way God set things up. That's why we have other humans living on earth, and you're not just here by yourself running around trying to do it by yourself. Or some people say... Well, Jesus is the great burden bearer, which he is. I'm just going to cast all my cares on him. And the first Peter says we can cast all our cares on him because he cares for us. And he is the great burden bearer and is the only one that can bear the burden of your sin, which he has already done so in his death on the cross. But one of the ways he helps us to bear our burdens is by giving us Christian friendship so that we will bear one another's burdens. Okay? Christian friendship, bearing each other's burdens. First two, bear each other's burdens. When we bear each other's burdens, it says that we fulfill the law of Christ. In John 13, 34, you'll remember this, um, this verse. A new commandment, this is Jesus talking. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. 
So the law of Christ is that we would love one another. We know that loving each other fulfills the law. This right here says, by bearing each other's burdens, we're fulfilling the law of Christ. So bearing each other's burdens equals loving one another. Same kind of idea. When you, when you will bear one another's burdens, you love that person. And probably you, you understand this because there's some people you're willing to bear their burdens and some people they're not as important enough to you in order to bear their burden. Wouldn't you not bear the burden of your spouse? Your spouse loses a loved one in her family. You're going to walk with her. You're not going to wake up the next morning that your wife loses her father and say, all right, get up. We've got to get through this. You know, <laughs> you're not going to do that. You're going to try to be loving as much as you can, guys, and you're going to bear that burden with her as long as she carries it. But then there might be someone in here in the room, maybe you don't know quite as well, or maybe they said something one day that kind of offended you, and they're dealing with something, and you're just like, well, I just don't want to get involved in that. You know, I don't want to take the effort it would take to actually bear that person's burdens. You know, Tom and Sandy, they bear a lot of burdens. I mean, what they do, meeting with people every week, hearing all their burdens, they're constantly bearing all those burdens for people. That's a, that's a ministry of bearing burdens. And we're all called to do that, bear each other's burdens, fulfilling the law of Christ. What happens when we don't bear burdens is, is what verse 3 is talking about. Look at verse 3. I had to read this quite a few times before I was like, what does this mean? Why is this here? For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So I see, sometimes when we think we're something, when we think we're something, this is back to the whole conceited thing, we think we're above bearing someone's burdens. Like, oh, I don't really want to get into all that, you know. Does that make sense? When you think you're better than you really are, you might think you're above bearing someone's burdens. Um, but in verse 3, I'll go ahead and leave it up there, Steve. Verse 3 tells us clearly we're deceiving ourselves. The fact is we are nothing. Is that right? If we're reminded that we're rebels, sinful people, rebels against God, deserving nothing except for his destruction, that kind of brings us back to earth and reminds us, well, we're not really something. So maybe that's not a good excuse for not bearing someone else's burdens. The truth is we're not something, we're nothing. That verse, again, shows us that how we treat people is determined mostly on our opinion of ourself. If we have a high opinion of ourself, we probably would treat people lowly. If we have a lower opinion of ourself, not that we don't think we're just, you know, not worthy of anything, but if, if we would quit thinking so much of ourselves, then we'll, we have to put other people above ourselves. We'll love each other, we'll bear each other's burdens, we'll gently restore them. This is going to be a good thing. Okay? Okay. This is going to be short, just so you know. It's great. <laughs> B had her here really early today. Those who walk by the Spirit lead lives that are loving to their Christian brothers and sisters. That's the difference. When people say, I like going to Heritage because it's different, that's the difference that we want it to be. When, Christ, when Christians are living lives, they're loving, they're living spirit-filled lives, then they're going to be loving one another. 
that, that would be a great place to be at. It would be like my home. Because you'd feel like, oh, this is a place where I can go, and I know that I can get love from everyone there. There's no provoking. I don't have people challenging me because they think they know it all, and they want to prove it by challenging me so they can show me how much I don't know and how much they do know. That's provoking. There's no envy. I don't have to be putting myself down so much that I'm thinking all about what I don't have and what you do have. That's not a good place to live in, is it? You ever been there before just wanting and envying everybody because they have so much good things and it seems like everything's bad for you, right? But envy, that's wrapped up in the conceit. If we see the, the root of the problem is conceit, then we can quit thinking about so much of ourselves elevate other people around us, all of a sudden we, we're not envying everybody so much. We're actually trying to love and, and encourage those people. There is bearing of each other's burdens. You know, when we see somebody walk in the door in the morning and they're carrying a bunch of stuff, do you run over there and help them? Of course. You know, you're, you're a little kid. Uh, you're going to the beach and he's trying to carry his suitcase and he can't. You go in there and pick it up. You know, so how come when we see someone walk in on a Sunday morning through one of these doors and you can just tell on their face that they've got a burden so heavy on them? Run to them. What's going on? How can I love on you? How can I help you carry that burden? Because you're not meant to carry it by yourself. And, and then how do we go about doing this? How can we walk through this together? Instead of just saying, I don't want to get into their business. If they don't want you in their business, I'll probably tell you anyways. Uh, don't worry about it. I don't want to talk about it. But, but on the flip side, we need to be willing to share our burdens. Okay? Instead of thinking that we're lone rangers going to walk through this life on our own. There will be restoring of one caught in a sin. And there will be restored gently. Unfortunately, this, this one, I feel like I've seen it done wrong more times than I've ever seen it done right. Right? You ever been caught in a sin? Have you ever been that person? And everyone just wanted to either bring you out in front of everybody right away or all they wanted to do is talk about you behind your back? Have you ever been talked about behind your back? Yeah? And a lot of times, have you ever been that person that instead of going to someone that you knew was sinning and gently restoring that brother or sister... Instead, you sat down at the lunch table on Sunday afternoon and you and your spouse just kind of talked about that person. You ever done that? Can you believe so-and-so did this? Or you sent someone a Facebook direct message so no one else would see it. You're like, can you believe she did that? I can't believe it. She is all going off the deep end. You ever done that? We, we don't want to be a part of that, this behind-the-scenes talking stuff. Go and grab your brother and sister. Care and love enough about them to gently restore them back onto the right track. Because if you don't know, we kind of have a goal here, a kingdom perspective goal that we're trying to advance God's kingdom while we're here in Wildwood, in Lady Lake, in Florida, in the world. We have a goal. When you have a goal as a team, you all kind of got to be on the same page and moving in the same direction. And when we got somebody that's kind of wandering off, we don't just let them go or we don't just kick them to the curb or talk about them. We go and grab them and pull them back because it helps the team accomplish our goal here at Heritage. When all these things start happening and we're loving each other and it looks like a family, in doing so, we're fulfilling the law of Christ, which is the biggest deal. 
So as, I, as I'm reading through this passage the last few weeks, knowing that I was going to preach on this, I was thinking, man, how often are we just not fulfilling the law of Christ then? I mean, if bearing each other's burdens, if gently restoring people, if not envying people or provoking each other, if doing those things is, is fulfilling the law of Christ, how often do we just not even do it then? Is Jesus just so sad at how many churches he looks down and, and they're not fulfilling his law of loving one another? People don't look at them and go, you are a disciple, I can tell because of the way you love people. Remember the verse we started with today, John 13, 35? They will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Do people look at you and say, you are a disciple of Jesus? I know that. That's the kind of people we want at Heritage. People that when they walk by you, they go, man, you're different. You must be one of those Christian guys. You must be one of those weird Jesus people. You, you just love everybody. Yeah, yeah, I try to love everybody because I'm not so wrapped up in myself, not so worried about everybody else being better than me, not trying to prove everybody I'm better than them. Just, just want to be part of God's kingdom and move in this direction. And that's the family we want to have at Heritage. You with me? Let's pray. God, these few, three short verses, there's so much into them, uh, so much direction for us, and I fear that sometimes th these are things that we care not to do or maybe don't feel brave enough to try them. And in not doing them, we miss out on fulfilling your law of one loving one another. Father, I want heritage to be a place of love, a place of safety, a place where it's okay to, to mess up and, and, and when we sin to not worry about what's going to happen to us but be known that there's going to be someone come beside us and help us get back on the right path to walking towards you. A place where when we have burdens and when things are going wrong that we know there's people coming alongside us, walking alongside us, praying with us, helping us to walk through those burdens and not to where we don't have to carry them ourselves. Lord, help me not to think more of myself than I should. I don't want to be wrapped up in the story of me that I missed out on all the friendship and the, and the people you've put in my path. Holy Spirit, show us our sins so that we want to think so much of ourselves, and so much more importantly even show us the importance and value of the people around us. I think sometimes I'm so intent on doing my to-do list that I don't even notice the people around me. It's like they're just background. I pray that you would help me to value people. Help us as a church to value people. To take the time it takes to spend with people and to love and bear their burdens with them. To find out what's going on. That's the church that I, that I want to be a part of. We want to fulfill your law, Lord, of loving one another just because the way you've loved us. We know that you loved us even while we were still sinners. You loved us and died on the cross for us. Help us to love each other the same way. Thank you for your word, how it instructs us. Father, as we leave today, I pray that we're looking around us at our workplaces, at the grocery store, at the gas station, 
at the sport field, wherever we are, and we're looking at how we can value more, value, more value people around us and love them. Help us to treat each other the way that, that you treat us. Thank you for all your blessings. Amen.